yes, we can always improve and always grow and evolve. But a lot of the work that I do with clients too, especially in the life coaching space is like, Hey, here's the big surprise. There's nothing to fix. And our work together is actually a lot more of you accepting where you're at and loving where you're at. And as a byproduct of that, you'll see your life flourish and you'll see things come to you and you stop seeking and thinking that you need to be fixed. Welcome to Let's Thrive the Podcast, a place for holistic storytelling with none of the BS and a whole lot of fun. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and my mission is to interview guests that inspire, educate, and empower you to live your best life. In these stories, you will see a part of your own journey reflected in theirs and learn to grow from it. And with that said, let's thrive. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are, however you're listening. Welcome back to Let's Thrive the Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and I am so happy you chose to listen. It's morning here in Austin, Texas, and I just woke up with some new mask knee, you know, acne from a mask, and it's not so fun. But on the other hand, I did get my new Birkenstocks last night, so opening them up this morning and adjusting the straps to fit my feet... Just, you know, it made up for the new acne for my mask, and it's just one of those, like, give-and-take situations. Um, You know, if you guys didn't see on Instagram, this actually plays into part. You know what? All my issues go back to work, (laughs) now that I think about it. Uh, I have a new serving job, and so I'm wearing the mask all the time, you know, for, like, 8 or 15-hour shifts. So the acne has just been, the mask knee has just been exploding. And besides that, while in the beginning, while I was away on one of these long shifts, Timber was at my apartment, he wasn't happy I was gone, I came home at like 11 o'clock after working like a 15-hour shift and found out that he had chewed through my Birkenstock strap, he had dragged clothes all throughout my apartment, Uh, he had did like all these things, and you know, that was just a bad night for me, not gonna lie. And I had even bought the Burks, like, the Burks at the, like, OG store on Abbott Kinney in California. They were finally broken in after so long. I love them. And then, boom. He has to go throw a little hissy fit and destroy them. And then that's another 100 bucks down the drain. But you know what? It's all good. I've got my new ones. I'm breaking them in. I'm actually wearing them right now as I record this intro. Because, you know, the sooner they're broken in, the better. And, yeah. So that's where I'm at right now, good and the bad, whatever your day looks like, I hope you can find (laughs) something to smile or laugh about, even if there's some struggle bus happening for you. But I mean, on that same note, I have an amazing friend here who loves him more than I do. I'm joking. I'm joking. Sort of. (laughs) Anyway, Ella, that's her name. She comes and she watches him when I'm on these long shifts, and since then, He has not done any damage. It's amazing. I still hide all my valuables, like my shoes and my cords and my favorite clothes, but he has not touched anything since she started coming. And even if she doesn't come on a specific day, I think he just now knows that, like, I'm coming back, right? Like, I'm not just abandoning him. I just work long, crazy fucking hours. So that's a win as well. And not gonna lie, when I came home that night and saw the literal shit show of my apartment that he had made, 
I sort of lost my cool, you know? And that's something I've, I don't think I've talked about that much on Instagram or on here, um, but I'm very ashamed of my quick, I don't even know if you'd call it a quick temper. I just feel like I'm one of those person, people where I build up like a volcano, right? Like I just take thing after thing after thing. Like I just let all the shit build up and then eventually it just like the volcano erupts and I lose it, right? Like I cry or I scream or I yell or I throw a pillow across the room. Like I just lose it. And I know that's hard to probably imagine. I feel like I convey a very grounded, calming demeanor and I am like 80% of the time. But when I lose my shit, I lose my shit right? Like I just reached my breaking point and I'm sure many of you can relate. But for me, like I am ashamed of that. I don't like being that way, right? Like I have had people in my life where they were the same way, right? Like build, 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 and then lose the shit over the smallest things. And growing up in school, wherever it was, like I, I never liked that. That scared me. It gave me anxiety it like puts people on edge when they're around you, when they're in your life. And so I am ashamed of the fact that I react that way. And it's something I like genuinely have been trying to work on. Um, I have gotten a lot better. <laughs> like I used to be so bad with it, so reactive. And I've really tried and gotten better with just the idea of like taking a moment to breathe and then reacting, and it's gotten better over time, but it's still something that I just have a lot of shame about, and I don't discuss it often because it's shameful. How many times can I say shameful in this episode? (laughs) Um, But it's, you know, something I'm working through, and I think a lot of us have this internalized shame we carry about a multitude of things. For some, it's how you react in a certain situation, or it's a diagnosis, right? Like, I felt this with the hep C, or it's a choice you make. I felt this with leaving college. Or it's something you participate in. Etc. Etc. No matter what it is, shame impacts us all differently. And nothing is too small or too large to be avoided by it, right? Like shame can impact, can invade, can be a part of any aspect of life. And so if you've experienced this, if you're feeling this, if you're nodding your head along like, yes, yes, this is me, then stay tuned. Because today we're talking all things shame, guilt, and empowerment with the queen, Soshana Raven. She's a business and empowerment coach, shame slayer, and host of the Living Brave podcast and community. Her work is to support heart-centered women in stepping into their most authentic life and business. Now, I first found her on Instagram. We connected a while ago, and then I've just been watching her build this amazing, like, business and community out of her own journey. And watching her own like personal transformation has been so inspiring. And so I was just so over the moon happy when she agreed to come on the show. And today we discuss all the things such as what shame is and why it's different from guilt. So Shauna's own history with herpes and shame, empowerment, and how unleashing your own power can really open up so many more doors for you. How to support, how to accept support in life and in business self-care for your future, and I mean, it goes on and on. Like, this this episode was so fun to record. Uh, I actually had a lot of issues with it because there was construction happening outside my apartment, then my computer almost died, then my headset quit working, 
And so my editor did an amazing job of fixing the blurbs. But if you hear anything that's odd or suspicious or like my, you know, my, I don't know, I say something weird, that's why. Like it was a hell of an episode for him to edit, <laughs> but he did it. Um, and so if for any reason this episode and what we discussed resonates with you, let us know. You can DM us, you can share it on your stories and tag us, or leave a rate and review for the show. They all mean so much. Just ways to support everything that I do and everything the guests share and everything this community means. You can also share it with a friend or a loved one, whatever it is. Anywho, let's connect. Soshana is on Instagram at Soshana underscore Raven linked below. And I'm on there at Emily Feichels and at Let's Thrive Podcast down below for spelling. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode. I guess I just wanted to start off, you know, on a sort of positive and celebrating the fact that we're here recording on a Friday. So what's been like one win or just something that happened this week that just really got you excited, you know, gave you a little pep in your step, I suppose. This week has been really beautiful. Um, I just had a living brave sisterhood retreat that ended on Sunday. So it was Thursday through Sunday and all women who I have privately coached this year who are current clients or past clients all came up to the mountains, um, 13 of us. I got to hire one of my clients to do all of the um, food for the retreat and a good friend of mine did the photography and it was just so nourishing and refreshing. So I am coming off of that high. Oh, that sounds like the best just refresher for mind, body, soul and just like being able to, I just moved into Austin and I'm already craving like those escapes into nature. So that just sounds absolutely lovely and that's yeah, that's a good energy to be carrying with you. I like it. It's a hundred percent. There was a Regina or actually no Clarissa Pinkola Estes. She wrote uh, women who run with the wolves, which is an amazing book. And I found a quote from hers that was all about how women really desire to live in a solely female atmosphere from time to time. And she says, male energy is nice. It's more than nice. It's sumptuous. It is grand. But sometimes it's like too much Godiva chocolates. We yearn for some clean, cold rice for a few days and a clear hot broth to clear the palate. And she goes on to say... Um, talk about the tasteless jokes that women tell each other <laughs> and how those are so refreshing. And I felt like getting around with a bunch of women and just telling ridiculous stories and first date stories and diving into the taboos and you can just feel people come alive. That was so nice. Oh, it truly is. And I feel a lot of us can relate to that fact of sometimes when you just struggle to find that type of connection community. And yeah, just yesterday, um, it was my day off. And, you know, part of me was like, I've got too much shit to do to, you know, turn off, but I did. And I went out with just like a few of my like good, you know, like friends here and yeah, just sitting around with like other women, my age, just like talking about anything and everything that came up. Yeah. Like the stories and everything you trade and you just bounce off each other. Like I came home and I just felt so refreshed. You know, I could have done so much more work that day. And yet this somehow felt just so much more satisfying, you know, to the heart and the mind. I mean, today, you know, I was ready to go. Like, it's just such a refresher. I think oftentimes like we don't prioritize those type of things enough. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Community is such a huge aspect of the work that I do, um, whether that's virtual or in person. And if you're listening, the Living Brave community on Facebook, join us. It's so much fun. I really think that, 
you know, I do business coaching and empowerment coaching and a lot of women enter these spaces with me and they're like, oh, I thought I was doing business coaching. And really like I'm unpacking a lot of my old stories about what it means to be in sisterhood. And this has been a personal growth journey and a spiritual growth journey. And so when we think about even as business owners, like sales and messaging and marketing, like really reframing it all as leadership and community building, right. And building relationships and I really feel that that shift is exactly what, you know, has led my business to grow and is so powerful for my clients. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I mean, what a shift to make, right? Because it's almost like going from that scarcity to abundance mindset or, you know, that fearful mindset to the trusting mindset, just like these subtle shifts that you make. And suddenly it opens up so many more doors because you're just like elevating you to a whole new level when you can make those mindset shifts. And, you know, I guess in that respect, when it comes to your overall business and everything that you do to help women, to be with women, to guide them, teach them, however it is like, what would be another like major mindset shift that you feel is just really helped you along this journey? Just, just, you know, anyone it could be just to put it out there and give people something to think about. Yeah. So what comes to mind first is a lot of the times when people want to start their own business or even just become an influencer, show up online and put their gifts out into the world, especially with social media culture, we tend to look around and see like, okay, well, what's working, right? We follow a bunch of different accounts. We get all kinds of inspiration. Inspiration is great. But it can often create a distance between what's actually on our heart and what we're excited about and our true innovative voice and what we're putting out there. So we can maybe copy paste unconsciously. We can regurgitate information and just say, okay, this worked for that person. And I think that true leadership, which is what's required for a really thriving community and a really long-term thriving business, requires you to be innovative and disruptive. So I'm all about disruptive leadership, which is actually finding a gap right in the discussion, finding a gap in the market saying, wow, no one's talking about this and being able to go there in a way that no one else is and really use your voice and the things that you're afraid to say and you're shameful of go there first. And I'm not saying like share your deepest, darkest secret. If you haven't fully integrated the lessons from that, I think that can be you know re-traumatizing, but if your story has a beginning, middle and end, and you feel that it can serve people, then share that story, but make that story about your community, about the larger themes and really sharing your voice in a way that's disruptive and in leadership, as opposed to, Ooh, how can I kind of go into this crowded market and package up what I've been taught from another coach or someone else that I see online? Oh my gosh. I love that. And actually hold on. I have my response on the tip of my tongue. I freaking love what you just said. I've got to plug my laptop in before it does. Um, <laughs> Um, okay. Well, one, I just love what you're saying there about, and I want to dive into it if you're right with it. Cause I know, you know, I know a bit more of your story, but when it comes to that shame that you're discussing and being able to share what you're comfortable with and just going out there and being that disruptive force and being that truly authentic version of yourself, how did that begin for you? Like, how did you discover that that was something you even had to do. Cause I know, you know, like I said, I'd just love for you to share a bit more about how you came to that realization with your own story and the own sort of like shame narrative that I think was probably present for you as well. Yeah. I mean, I love, I really highly recommend reading Daring Greatly or Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. I'm a huge Brene fan. <laughs> and I think before I even stumbled across her work, I was starting to understand the power of 
vulnerability and um, the power of truly letting yourself be seen fully and how scary and hard that is in the moment, but how much it just frees you from these like false shackles that hold you back. And so the big catalyst for me was um, I was in Nepal in 2017. Yep. 2017. And I was self-diagnosed general herpes. It was, you know, long story, episode one of my podcast, I go deep, deep into that living brave. Um, but for the sake of this, um, I thought my life was over. I was looking at old pictures of myself, just mourning the loss of that life of like, Oh my gosh, that carefree, innocent girl. Okay. Now I'm less worthy and dirty. All of these really what it was, was old shame resurfacing. It wasn't anything new because let's be honest, this is something that affects, you know, HSV one, two, and three people and HSV two, general herpes one in five. And truly it seems like more than that with all the people who respond me to. Right. So what it was actually was just validation for old stories about how I was going to get found out, how I wasn't good enough, what it meant to be a woman. And now I'm somehow devalued. And I went to Denver and I was kind of all right. And then fell into a low. And in that low, as we all experience, you realize you have a choice. You can continue to live that way, thinking you're a victim to your circumstances, which is actually very comfortable, even though a lot of people will say they want to leave that situation. They're not taking actions to get out of it because it's comfortable. It's their baseline. Or create a new baseline and do the work to rebuild my relationship with myself and um, to meet this shame and trauma head on. And so I started talking about herpes and I signed up for a half marathon. I traveled across the country, worked at festivals, showed up to festivals alone, um, started playing the guitar, really rebuilt the relationship with myself and decided to go on a vulnerability spree and tell all of the guys who I had been on a date with or flirted with or had a crush on or made out with at the concert <laughs> about herpes, this thing that I thought was going to um, cause me to be rejected. And what I found is the more and more I talked about it, the world opened up to me. All of these people like, thank you so much. Wow. That's so brave and shared their vulnerable, painful, shameful story or said me too. There was one instance in particular where I've been writing for Elephant Journal for many years and I knew the CEO and founder, Waylon Lewis. And I saw him at a yoga festival, you know, a year before this vulnerability spree. And I was afraid to go up to him and introduce myself, you know, shame. That's shame before the herpes thing even happened. Shame feeling like, ooh, it's weird and just, you know, all that insecurity and self-doubt. The year later, I'm on a high, the vulnerability high that no one talks about being, you know, realizing that all of these people want to be supportive and that they're actually my friends and they don't just see me as an object. I went up to Waylon and I said, hey, I'm Shoshana. I've been writing for Elephant Journal for years. I have a story I really want to share. I want to share my herpes story. He was like, great. Let's, let's talk. Let's have a conversation. A few weeks later, I'm sitting at Waylon's house, looking him in the eye, telling this person that I was afraid to introduce myself to a year earlier, telling him I have herpes and him pausing and saying, you know, this might be weird, but that kind of makes you even more cool. It makes you even more of a badass. I'd love to interview you. Yes. Let's hook you up with an editor and share that story. And that story made it to number one on elephant and has been read by 20,000 people. So <laughs> That's just one example of how your shame is the source of your power. Go to the place you're afraid of. That's your power. That's your success. That's your ticket forward to your next evolution of self. Yeah. I mean, it's just so true, right? Where when we can let go of these things, you know, that hold power over us and they sort of take up our mind and 
mental space and we can let them go, it returns the power to us. And then we have that decision, like we're able to make those executive decisions of like what to do with life and to go out and, you know, whether that's talking or applying or just going out in the world and you find these opportunities and things start to just, at least from my experience, and it seems like for yours, they start to fall into place because like suddenly you have that power back and you're working you're, you know, you're working in alignment with like everything else that's going on in your life. And, you know, with that also letting go of so much, did you start to then notice any sort of changes in physical, mental, or emotional health? Because suddenly like you didn't have this heavy burden of shame, just like living inside of you. I always think of it as it's just living captivated, like it's rotting, you know, like it's just turning into this like gnarly mess inside of you whenever we hold things in. And so I guess like when you let that go, when you started to did you see any other sort of changes happen in your overall, you know, like wellness and happiness, I suppose, because of that? I just wanted to say, yeah, about letting it go. I think that that can feel really frustrating for a lot of people who are experiencing shame, trauma, emotional discomfort. Just let it go. How, you know, that's why I work with people in long-term containers, because honestly, it's, it's not that easy of like, oh, I'll just go on social media and share my deepest, darkest secret, right? It's a process of really first exploring the shame, the limiting beliefs of fear that live within you and being super vulnerable and honest with yourself first, understanding what shame is, right? That deep-seated feeling of unworthiness, that feeling that you're unlovable, you're undesirable, and understanding the difference between guilt and shame. That's something that Brene does so beautifully is really adaptive guilt, that feeling of, oh, I did something bad. Oh, I acted out of alignment with my values. Oh, I was late to that meeting. I feel badly because I'm a great friend and I care about people's time versus shame, which ends up being internalized guilt and ends up being actually very harmful, which is the feeling of, oh, I'm bad. I'm wrong. You know, I'm a bad friend and it ends up actually leading to addiction, depression, and this can be minute and it can be really big and really debilitating in your life. Whereas guilt leads you to action and it's adaptive and it's positive and it's not comfortable, but it's a positive emotion. And I think a lot of the times that we do, we can see where we're feeling guilt or shame when it's easy because we don't like uncertainty. We don't like to think and pull back from the situation and say, maybe I don't know why this happened. Maybe it's not my fault. Maybe this is just the world and I can take a step back, see the bigger picture, but instead it's easy for us to say, it's my fault. I'm bad. You know, I, I don't deserve this. And if I only knew better and all of these things, they're actually giving us a false sense of power because we as humans don't like to be in uncertainty and we like to be the center of the narrative, right? So a lot of the times that happens with stigma of like, is it really you and you're dirty and horrible? Or is it that what you've seen in the media is making this really boring fact about your sexual health something that makes you an alien, which actually when you own it and speak up about it, most people don't really care. Or most people will say, same here, right? So it's the energy behind it and it's the motion behind it. So I say first step is understanding and getting really deep in your emotional life. And so, yes, once you start to do that, you see this separation from you and your experience and being able to take a step back. That's so, so helpful. And then from there, naming it, speaking it out loud, doing what we're doing, but first doing that with the people you love and care about the most and 
working your way out from the inner circle and getting vocal about it, naming it, speaking it out loud, because as Brene would say, the only thing shame needs to grow is secrecy and darkness. That's it. Like you said, it's just continuing to grow and evolve. I find that so fascinating. I'd never, I need to dive into her work more, but that difference between shame and guilt, that just had me you know, mind, mind blown. It it makes sense when you start to think of even the small things, right? Like you said, like the easy things that we can identify as maybe that's more guilt, that's more shame. Um, and then moving on to like the bigger pick, you know, bigger ticket items, uh, things that really have a lot at stake or hold a lot of, you know, importance or value to us. Um, so that's fascinating, you know, on one side, and then something I wanted to ask in regards to, you know, you were saying when we're sharing that story and when we do decide to go out, you know, and start that process, how important it is to really know and be honest and truthful with ourselves. Was there ever a time when you struggled with that idea of, you know, sharing your story, but not just making it about you? Like, if that makes sense, I'm always wondering when I, when I share these type of hard things, you know, how can I make this so that it's not just what was me, whatever you want to say, like, how can I make it more about leaving a bit of an impact or leaving a seed of advice or tangible, whatever it is for people to take away from it? Is that something that you've had to sort of evolve with over time or did it come naturally? Oh yes. This is a huge messaging shift, a huge storytelling shift, especially for my clients who are maybe in coaching or um, who are showing up online. They're like, Hey, I want to share more of my story. I'd say going back first to knowing your mission, right? So like, who are you? Who are you here to serve? So thinking about your community, who are you serving and why is that important? What kind of world are you a part of creating? What larger missions are you plugged into? What's like that, you know, big banner that you have, your flag? What does it say? Is it transform shame into power? Is that you deserve to have your gifts out in the world? Is it all women deserve to be connected to their pleasure and desire? Or, you know, your health is your key to success? Whatever it is, the underlying mission of you here, you don't even have to be a business owner, but why you're showing up, your personal ethos and why it matters and the world that you're being a part of creating and why people should care. I think getting super crystal clear clear on that. And then as you tell your story, you weave your story into that larger narrative of the world and making it about your people. So especially if you're positioning yourself as someone who's providing value, who's guiding people through a journey, it's, can you provide value and then weave in your story through that to say, here's how that played out in my life, or here's how I can understand where you're at because I've been there, right? So it's more like a weaving your story in when it comes to just like everyday messaging, which is something that I work on with clients. And then also when it's a big story, like, so you have a podcast episode, just your story, or you want to come out with something, making sure that is this of service to my community? I ask, is this empowering for my community? And empowerment for me is being in service to others. So is this going to offer someone else value? When it comes to either an inspirational story of like, I quit my job, I traveled India, 
okay, people are like, great, so happy for you. But am I empowering people? Am I offering them tools? Am I offering them a glimpse into their soul, into their heart, showing them what's possible for them? And if it's just my inspiring story, then I just stay inspiring. And people might want an inspirational account, but saying like, how is this of service to my community? And same when we share a vulnerable story too. Is this opening up a conversation? Is this sparking a new perspective? within someone else that might inspire them to action? Am I even providing a next step? Things like that. So I'd say when we think about the hero's journey, it's like taking ourselves at some point out of the hero and into the guide and really making our reader the hero of the story. Oh, I love that. And I think I'm so happy you said that and shared that because going back to what you said about the vulnerability high earlier, I think what definitely happened to me in the beginning. And it's something in honestly the past few months I really had to think about. And what I see happen with a lot of others is that when you do get that initial euphoria of, oh my gosh, I just shared this big secret that's been weighing on my chest, right? Like it all comes out. And then you're on that high and you just start sharing and sharing. And I think that what can happen is that we forget to stop and ask just what you were saying, right? Of like, what is this providing for people? You know, is it meant to just be inspirational? Is it meant to be guiding? And it's perfectly fine, you know, if people are just sharing to share and there's nothing to it. But I think, you know, if you are someone like me or, you know, like you are now and everything, and you really do want to get connect to people in that different way, what you just said there was so beautiful. And especially just the idea of taking that bigger picture and then weaving in your own story, your own journey into it. I think that's, that's how you really connect, right? Like you're showing people then it seems more manageable for someone to complete a journey similar in their own life. If that makes sense, like instead of it being almost like, you know, a fiction novel, it suddenly becomes like a bit more nonfiction. Like people can suddenly be like, oh yeah, I could, I could do this in my own life. It's less about your unique story and more about an overall story that people can implement themselves into as well. I think. Yeah. What I would say is when you tell a story like that, when I launched Living Brave, I had so many people reach out to me and not only like, wow, you know, I have HSV and I've never told anyone before, and I've never seen someone speak about it like this, but more so people coming out of the woodworks who loved it, who might've never known someone or themselves experienced, you know, the herpes journey, because it was about the larger theme of really going to the place that you're afraid of and that being the source of your power and really vulnerability and connection and being seen. So I had women, I remember one woman from my yoga class who reached out and shared with me that she was adopted and that she's never told anyone. She's told like two people and the podcast really inspired her to kind of explore that part of her story and to own that part of her story, to take her power back, to start talking about it. There are so many different things we all have, you know, our herpes story and whatever it is, right? And it's just so important to empower people with your messaging. I think there's a lot out there online right now that's very disempowering, that really speaks to scarcity, that really uses like bro marketing and shiny object syndrome and the aspirational branding, which is, you know, okay for some accounts, but to really hold your people high and say, Hey, like I'm celebrating you. You're not alone. This is possible for you too. And to not just, how can we speak to people's pain points and make them feel like crap and want to sign up with us, but how can we build an empowered community that wants to take the next step with you? That can't wait to change the world with you. Real quick, the bro marketing. I've seen that you did, a, I think you did an episode on it. 
And I've seen it one other, like, what, can you just give a quick lowdown on that in comparison to what you were just saying, like your type of community is? Mm -hmm. I would say it's really focusing on people's lack and pain points. I think there's a difference between reading a piece of content. You could, could experience this because I do too. I'll read like another coach's content and I'm like, oh my God, she has a secret key to success. Oh my God, she's made a million dollars in two days. Like I'm missing something, right? And you feel that lack and it plays into your scarcity versus someone who you watch their live or read their content. And you're like, wow, she's speaking the truth. I feel empowered. Hell yeah. I want to be a part of her community. And I want to like, I want to work with her because she's a badass. Right. And I feel seen. And I also feel like a badass. So there's, there's two different ways to read things. I think traditionally it's like one time offer, you know, $5 for this $5,000 offer and you'll reach this milestone in five hours and look at the hot girl next to me. (laughs) And, um, and just kind of promises, really lofty promises. And let's see what else is involved there. I think it's the opposite of authentic leadership, right? There's no aspect of really like humanness in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think what you were saying, it kind of plays on some of our, not weak points, but maybe a fatal flaw, I suppose, you know, that, you know, most of us carry of some sort. Whereas like you were saying before, that's what, I mean, when it comes to like your content and there's a few other people, you know, similar to you that I just love following, love catching up on their content, you know, because it does leave you empowered. Like you're not going to the feed and leaving feeling like, like you said, that scarcity, that lack mindset of I'm not doing X, Y, and Z. I'm not, you know, basically I'm not enough. How do I get there? And it becomes like this person or their, their ticket item they're selling is like the only solution. And it, I don't know, in my experience, create almost like that compulsion of I need it versus Mm -hmm. someone like you. And like I said, a few others in the space that I just adore, I always leave like kind of toying with a new idea, right? Like you've either inspired something I can take action on, on my own, or if I've thought about an offer that you or others have, like, it's just something that I can think about. And I kind of like take in gently and it kind of like settles my mind. And it's just such a difference you know, whether you are the one offering these services to people or you're like me and you're taking them in, I just think it's, it's something to be aware of, you know, like when you're, when you're going for programs or systems or offerings, like what's like guiding that decision, right? Like, is it a compulsion or is it like an authentic, true desire for like growth or evolution in that aspect as well? Yeah. Emily, you just hit the nail on the head with the, this is the only solution, right? Doors close in two days. The prices are doubling tomorrow. Like, Mm -hmm. and buying from that place, maybe that works. Maybe that does compel people to action, but it leads to buyer's remorse. It leads to a lot of people who I now work with being burned by a coach or a program and saying, whoa, this is totally not what I thought it was going to be. It didn't deliver in the way that it said. And taking that softer approach, taking that actual grounded approach where I'm like, I am holding you high. I truly believe if I invite you into an offer that it's going, it's a great fit that you're going to get value from it, that it's going to pay for itself. But I'm not going to sit here and disempower you and say, I'm the only solution. This is the only solution. I'm inviting you to step up for yourself, not invest in me. And that you could very well go off and be successful. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know who you're going to work with, but I'm not going to pretend that this is the only way. And that leads to really empowered buying. And that leads to really happy clients who end up signing back on because 
they're blown away by the experience. And not to say that every single person I've ever worked with has had a mind-blowing experience, right? But I, the mastermind that I'm currently running, nine out of 14 of the women in there I've worked with in the past are all people who I've just re-signed and signed back on. And so that's something that I'm really proud of in my business and I think is directly related to that tweak in storytelling and messaging that we were just reflecting on. Oh, I love that. And I feel, you know, what you're saying there about women signing back on and continuing this journey, like that to me speaks of empowerment when you have that belief of I'm worthy enough to pay for this service, right? Like I feel that's another thing. So often I was talking about this with a friend, even when it comes to self-care, like I struggled for the longest time to even feel worthy of like paying for a massage or a facial or whatever it was that would you know, just bring me joy and bring me like a moment of rest and relaxation. But it gets to the point where you just don't feel like you've worked enough or you don't any of these like lies, you know, we stories, we tell ourselves of why we're not worthy for the small things can translate into these bigger things, like taking the leap to invest, whether that's back in schooling or back in a program, however it be in reality though, like those are the things that can break us out of whatever cycle we're stuck in. Right. They're just like, sometimes it's that leap of faith you have to take. And I think if you don't really trust in yourself, if you don't feel worthy, if you're not empowered, it just gets hard. It gets hard to make that decision. Oh my gosh. I couldn't agree more. And I think that the reason why we're held back from doing the things that are going to serve us is usually the reason why we need them. Right. So that goes to like coaching or whatever it is, getting your nails done. Like when people tell me on a call, say for empowerment coaching, they're like, I really need this because I haven't prioritized myself for so long. I'm not used to, you know, spending time, resources, energy on myself and then say that's exactly what's holding them back from taking the leap and doing it. It's because they aren't used to spending time, resources, and energy on themselves. So usually it requires like getting outside of our comfort zone to go to the nail salon, to take the leap, invest in the program, whatever it is, big or small. Yeah. They totally are mirrors and reflections of one another. And I think that self-care isn't just about, you know, getting your nails done, spending money on yourself. I am Mm -hmm. a, you know, advocate of investing in yourself. I continue to do that. I just signed up for a 12 month mastermind for all of 2021. Um, But I think it's about, especially if we're showing up in leadership, cultivating that joy of being alone, of what happens when everyone leaves, when there's nothing to do that night and it's just you? Do you distract yourself with the TV? Cool. Love that. That's cool. But do you have those moments where you can look at yourself in the mirror and really, truly love the person across from you or at least respect them, admire them, say some kind words? Do you take that time for yourself to be just spacious and just be and get out of the performance, productivity, doing culture of like, okay, self-care means I need to do more. Yeah. I mean, how many of us have scheduled quote unquote self-care that winds up stressing us out more because we're rushing to the appointment or, you know, because maybe financially we probably shouldn't have done it that month, whatever it is. And so, yeah, it's what you're saying, like that can be a version, but then also I love, I forget, I'm not, you know, this isn't original. I've heard it somewhere else, but like, you've got to allow yourself to get bored because boredom is when it's that idea, right. Of like, you're at the point where you're not distracting. Um, you know, it's more about, it's more than just like sitting down and 
letting yourself relax by distracting, like that has a time and a place, but there has to be times where like, yeah, you face yourself in the mirror, you face your thoughts, you hear your actual thoughts and you just reach this almost point of boredom. And at least for me, that's when like, I've had my greatest creativity, my greatest ideas, or just like breakthroughs of, you know, like, what the fuck are you doing, Emily? (laughs) Like, let's, let's, you know, fix this up here. So I love that you said that about, you know, just the different forms of self-care that we can all tap into. Yeah. And it's like, is there ever really boredom when you're in love with yourself? Good question. Right. Because there might be a flicker of, Oh, I don't know what to do. Okay. It can just be. And then that creative flow that you just talked about, how amazing is that? How beautiful is that experience? I think it's as simple as I had a realization when I was sitting at one of my old houses and I was on my phone and eating lunch. And I was like, okay, if I advocate for you have to date yourself, then I am the worst date right now. (laughs) I don't want to date myself if I'm on my phone while I'm eating lunch or the one break that I have during the day. So how can we like treat ourselves truly like a loving partnership and relationship? And it takes work. I think I remember the first time I lived with myself, I was like, Oh, I'm the messy one. Okay. (laughs) I'm just laughing because my apartment right now is a shit show because I've had the same realization. Like all along, it was not my brother and my dad. It was truly just me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so we, we get to know ourselves, but taking the time to get to know ourselves and getting out of this sometimes self-development, even self-care industry is like, self-improvement and this idea that you have to fix yourself and thinking that you need to be fixed. You don't need to be fixed. You don't need to be in therapy and coaching to be fixed. That can just support you. It doesn't have to mean that there's a problem. Oh, I love that. It's, it's just so true. I mean, even with the idea of therapy, right? Like there's, there's just so much messaging nowadays. And I, think that oftentimes we do take it in that sense of, I need this to be fixed. I need the coaching to be successful. You know, I need the practitioner to be healed. I need this and I need that. And they're just, it it can oftentimes I feel like freeze us too from taking action when we need it, or it's just disempowering us. As you said, I mean, you're just putting all of that power in this thing that you suddenly need or that you suddenly feel like you just don't have. And I love that. I, you know, just that idea of remembering these are things that support you. You know, these are, these are tools in your toolkit, but it's not like an ultimative, right? Like it's not one way or another. I think so often we get stuck in that, like this or that mindset and just really, you know, can't get out of it. Yeah. I think it's uh, driven by shame too, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm not doing enough. I'm not being enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I have to fix myself. And shame is just a story. Like none of us were born with it. So it's a process of just, again, exploring it, naming it, speaking it out loud, normalizing it, distancing yourself, acknowledging it, that shadow work. And then you realize there's not a whole lot to fix. There's a lot to let go of and to be aware of and mindful of. And we just join another rat race under the guise of something else, right? Shame can drive your business. You can be so successful and talk about spirituality and manifestation, which the manifestation culture is a whole nother conversation, but you can be driven by shame and scarcity and you can fall into another rat race. And I don't know who hasn't, right? And realizing like, gosh, I did not get into this to be on a rat race of self-improvement, be in a rat race of 10K months and 
da da da, and then realizing that it's all the same shame that's driven us in our relationships, perhaps that's driven us to feel like we can look in the mirror and not love the person across from us or feel like we need to lose a couple pounds. It's all the same story. Oh, I love that. Just remembering that the roots, roots go deep, you know, whatever the story is, the roots go really deep and we all know what happens if you don't pull them out completely. So, oh, I love that. Well, you are just, I, yeah, obsessed. I love this. Um, I'm so excited for people to listen and learn more about you. So if you can just share, you know, where people can connect, learn more, just sort of check things out for themselves. I would love that so that they can find you. Oh, thank you so much, Emily. I am, I am pretty active on Instagram. It's Shoshana underscore Raven, S-H-O-S-H-A-N-N-A. And ShoshanaRaven.com has a lot of my other offerings on there. Um, And I, I have a training on overcoming shame on how to use vulnerability as a superpower. So those will be on the website as well. Again, we talked a lot about community. So the Living Brave community on Facebook. And I have my Empowered Business Accelerator that's starting in January. That's really for online service-based, heart-centered entrepreneurs who are launching or revamping an existing business. That's so much fun. And let's see, I'm thinking of doing a digital storytelling series. So definitely check in with me, uh, reach out. I love, like I'm, I'm in my DM. <laughs> so I love personally um, connecting with people. Oh, that is perfect. I'm curious to see if you do the digital um, storytelling. Yeah, that would 100%. be, oh, yeah, there we go. I'm, I'm curious. Well, thank you so much for being on today. And yeah, it was just an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much, Emily. Yeah.